and welcome to another episode of the Nakata Presents Podcast. My name is Matt Markin from Cal State San Bernardino, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Nakata Presents is the official podcast for Nakata, the global community for academic advising. We're on a roll with this series, which focuses on the perspectives from past Nakata presidents. So to get us started with today's episode, let me turn it over to Gavin Farber from Temple University. Gavin, what's in store for listeners today? Thank you, Matt. Welcome to Presidential Perspectives, Reflections on the Past, Present, and Future of Nakata, where we take a look at the future of Nakata by honoring its past. My name is Gavin Farber, and I work at Temple University, and I'm here with Karen Lewis from the University of Maryland College Park. Today, we are interviewing past Nakata presidents Cecilia Olivares and Dana Zaharek. Cecilia and Dana, thank you for joining us today. To start things off, we would love each of you to introduce yourselves. Can you please share your name, institution, and as well as when you were Nakata president? We'll start with Dana. All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dana Zahorek, and I'm currently the manager of advising services here at Fox Valley Technical College, Chile, Wisconsin. Uh, my presidency took place in 2016-17. And I'm Cecilia Olivares. I am currently the director of the Transfer Center and interim director of the Discovery Center at the University of Missouri in Columbia. And I was NACADA president from 2020 to 2021. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Dana, we'll start with a question for you. Within the last decade, three NACADA presidents, yourself included, have been based in community colleges. To what do you attribute the rise of community college engagement in the association? Well, first of all, we do all have the same goals, right? When you think about the nine conditions of excellence, we're all here to improve the scholarship advising, institutional commitment and in learning. So we're all here for common goals. And I think people are recognizing that more and more. Also with the various movements such as Achieving the Dream, um, all colleges, regardless of institutional type, are really trying to focus on advising does not equal registration. And if that sounds familiar, we heard Dr. Charlie Note say that many, many times. Uh, but I think more and more institutions are recognizing that. I also think uh, administration is really doing much more of an institutional commitment to advising and recognizing the importance on the different campuses, um, that retention is a focus now um, more than ever with enrollment being down. And there, I think administration is also recognizing that decisions are grounded in research and the use of data, which with the addition of our research center, it has been uh, wonderfully supporting us to enhance the scholarship of advising. So what a better association to use those tools um, is through NACADA. So if you just even do a Google search, academic advising associations, NACADA is the first one to come up there, which is wonderful. The other thing that's really been neat with the, the two-year folks increasing is we're really recognizing, um, making sure that we use inclusive language. For example, when we're talking about colleges, sometimes people will say the word university, which is not inclusive for two years. So I think it just brings a great recognition having some of the two-year presidents in there just to bring some of that um, diversity to some of the conversations. Cecilia, you had quite an unusual year as president due to the global pandemic. How did the pandemic shape your presidency and what was it like to be a leader in such a time of uncertainty? Yeah, that's a great question, Gavin. Um, I assumed, or actually I found out that I was elected president at the Region 7 conference in 2020, which was one of only two regional conferences that actually wasn't canceled that, that, that year. And so we really went into a time of uncertainty. Um, and there were still about six months from the time that I was elected, actually probably a little bit more than that, um, until I assumed the presidency. So I was really following Aaron Justina's lead, but I think we were all really just 
trying to figure out our personal and professional campus situations, let alone our Nakata situation, because I think we were all just in a state of shock, really, those first, you know, uh, six months to year, just trying to figure out how we were going to do things. And so it was it was definitely challenging, uh, because it, it kind of still feels like it's a little bit of a fog um, in during that particular time. But good things came out of it. I mean, we really had to figure out how to come together through the transitions of canceling an international conference, of shifting our annual conference and regional conferences to virtual formats, and um, really what were financial challenges, too, for the, insti- for the, for the association, let alone uh, what was happening on our own um, individual institutional campuses and, you know, how do we support advisors and, and Nakata leadership through those transitions and challenges. And so uh, it was certainly... It was certainly a challenge, um, but I think that we also came out of it with some clearer goals and um, a new mission and vision and um, some big changes that happened during that time, too, that uh, hopefully will set us moving forward for at least, you know, the next five to 10 years um, as we shape, as we continue to shape the future of Nakata. Um, We would like listeners to know a little bit more about leadership pathways within Nakata. So we'll start with Cecilia. Can you tell us your Nakata journey and what led you to eventually run for president? Yes. So I attribute most, if if not all, of my leadership um, in Nakata to the Emerging Leaders Program. I um, applied for that pretty early on in my Nakata membership and was selected in the 2009-2011 cohort. And quite honestly, if it weren't for Emerging Leaders Program and and the opportunity to get to know folks um, and to have this big association become a lot smaller in terms of connections and um, deepening those relationships and getting to know people and the association and how it runs and and all that, I don't know that I would have been as involved in Nakata. So I went from Emerging Leaders Program very quickly joined the Emerging Leaders Program Advisory Board, eventually became the chair, then um, became the uh, administrative division rep, um, the council, and that led to being elected to the board, vice presidency, and then presidency. So I had somewhat of a linear trajectory, which I think is a little bit unusual (laughs) in that um, I didn't lose any elections, um, that which I think is a little bit different for some folks, but it also wasn't anything that I actually expected. It wasn't a goal that I had as an emerging leader, and uh, it, it really, the doors just opened and evolved for me. It's great. Dana, what about you? I have a similar story. Uh, I was also in the ELP program, and I would say that did have a huge effect on, on growing leadership skills. But I have to start when I became a member in 1998. I went to the Summer Institute. That was my first experience with Nakata. And I went up in a hot air balloon with some of my small group leaders, <laughs> which is kind of indicative of the journey, right? You just rise up in Nakata. Um, just I fell in love with the whole Nakata networking. And I decided um, that it was crucial for my own growth at my own institution to be more involved in the association. So my first leadership role was the, I'm going to date myself. The Video Advisory Board in 2009. Yes, the Video Advising Board. Um, I quickly became involved in the two-year college committee, and that had a lot to do with Kathy Stockwell, who was um, president at the time, also was at my institution. And so she kind of brought me along into some of those committee meetings, and I just kind of fell in love with the concept of being more involved. 
Um, probably my biggest move was though, when I was developing and implementing a peer advisor program here, I um, was elected the commission interest group chair. So that was my first taste of, I think, more leadership. Um, grew into the commission interest group representative in 2012. Similar to Cecilia, went into council, board member, um, vice president. And then what I really think is as you're going through this leadership journey, you start to discover the things you are skilled at and the things that you are not skilled at or you might not as um, enjoy as much. And so I found out like wordsmithing, finance, you know, Charlie tried to get me on the finance committee. I was like, mm, not a good fit. So I found myself moving more towards like the problem solving sort of leadership, uh, like the consultants bureau. Um, that was really attractive to me. So I, my biggest hope as president was to have the approachability of Jane Drake. Jennifer Joslin, J.P. Regalado. I just want to be that kind of president that could walk up to people and say, hey, you'd be a really good leader in this association and encourage them or even make that next move and nominate them to help them also to be part of that leadership journey. Thank you, Dina. Um, is there anything you wish you had known prior to taking on the presidency? Um, we'll start with Cecilia. That a global pandemic was going to happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's the, that's probably the easy answer for me. Um, and also probably the amount of transition that was happening in my personal life um, and also with Nakata. So um, I was in graduates. So I was in work for my doctorate um, during that time. I had um, accepted uh, a second directorship position on my campus, in addition to Nakata presidency, having a child graduate from high school and leave for college. Um, and, you know, Charlie retired during my presidency. I mean, there was just a lot of transition on top of just sort of the upheaval of a lot of things that were happening in our country and our world during that time. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot. And I don't think we could have ever predicted all of the things that were going to be compounding during that time. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I had known those things, but at the same time, um, maybe better that I didn't because I just sort of had to fumble my way through figuring out um, how to do all these things and uh, do them well, but also offering up grace to myself and others during uh, all of the things as well, because um yeah, that's, sometimes that's the only thing you can do to get through when all these things are coming at you at the same time. Would you like me to answer that question now? <laughs> yes, please, Dana. Okay. Uh, well, number one, the thing I did not know, I did not have a clear understanding of all the inner workings of the executive office. They're the hardest working, intelligent, masterful group of leaders I know. I didn't realize um, how they basically lift up Nakata 365 days a year. I would come in for a year as president, right? But they are literally there all the time. They have the history. Uh, they are the ones that guide you. So as much as I appreciated the work of the EO, I did not fully understand the impact that they have. So that was huge for me. Also, as Nakata president, you, you know, you don't come in. Your role is, it's not about your agenda. It's about the membership. So you have to come up with a mindset. You might have ideas of what you think, you know, you're going to change the world, but you really have to check yourself and say, wait a second, what is best for the association? Um, I think I came in just, you know, ready to take on that world. And thank goodness, Jennifer Joslin said to me, it, like at one point I literally walked out into the street and she grabbed me. She's like, oh, there's a car coming. And that was how Jennifer guided me through that whole year um, is pulling me off the street. Like, oh, did you think about this? Right. So that was where the EO made such a big impact on me. Uh, I also came in as an advisor. I was not an administrator. 
I did not have what I would call management skills. I had a lot of leadership skills. Um, and so I really grew in that area in terms of management. Um, I was pretty excited about that. It probably was one of the most challenging uh, leadership um, pieces for me because you're leading a diverse group of people. So not only are they volunteers, um, but they all come from different work cultures. We're here leading at Fox Valley. We understand the culture, but you put a group of people together that come from a variety of different backgrounds. Um, It's challenging, but, but challenging in a good way. It was exciting and really helped me grow. I love that answer, actually. Now we're going to ask you to go even deeper. Um, give us a snapshot of your time as presidency, at, at your time as president. What would you say were the biggest challenges within the association and or the advising profession during the time you were president? Start with Dana. All right. So when, when you mentioned the word challenges, I always think you know challenges are opportunities for growth. So they might be a lot of work, but many times the outcome is a good thing. So I, at the time um, when I was president, we saw a pretty large growth in our membership. We started outgrowing some of the venues. I remember we outgrew Disney for a while there. Um, and just, and not only that, but also making sure that you keep it relational, that as the association grows, that you can still continue to have this wonderful connecting um, environment and create that culture of care amongst advising partners. We also made a move at that time to be more globally inclusive. And at the time we moved away from um, calling it the national conference to the annual conference. We really looked at our tagline. We didn't want to take away, um, you know, Nakata because that is a recognized name. It's our identity. It's widely recognized and respected. Um, So there was a lot of work that went into, you know, coming up with that tagline to add on the global community for academic advising to include you know, over the 30 countries um, that are involved in Nakata. So that was exciting and, ch- and challenging in terms because it took a lot of energy, a lot of resources, a lot of work. And then that's when we also um, started getting more involved in the international conferences as well. I think the other thing that I was really hoping to do during um, my leadership year was helping to diversify our leadership. And I think it only just touched on that because that too took a lot of energy um, and people resources. So not only, you know, looking at ethnicity, but LGBTQA, institutional type, global leadership, um, just some examples of those. And so you can't just say you're going to do that and then it doesn't carry over to the next year. So those are the types of initiatives. Like if you look at the slate of candidates this year, I was so pleasantly um, excited about the fact that we've really been able to move that. But again, I we had to pass some of those initiatives on to uh, other leaders throughout. All right, Cecilia, fully recognizing that, again, the pandemic might be part of your answer. What would you say were the biggest challenges within the association or the profession during the time you were president? Yeah, I would say for the association specifically, you know, trying to figure out how to do professional development in this very quickly changing environment, right, Um, where we were we were already dabbling in webinars. I shouldn't say dabbling. I mean, it was more than that, right? You know, we were doing those types of things, but really shifting to a fully virtual conference format uh, and doing it pretty quickly and figuring out how to do all of those things. And what does professional development look like moving forward, right? Because as we know now, we're doing a lot of things in a hybrid format because we can, uh, we can reach a broader audience too, who may not be able to travel. And that may be what some folks want, but at the same time, do people want to spend more time on zoom um, or in that virtual format? So really trying to figure out 
what does professional development look like? What is the professional professionalization of advisors and advising administrators look like in this very changing or ever-changing landscape? It was already like that, but then add in the challenges of the pandemic um, and trying to figure out how to support our own staffs, each other, Nakata leadership through through the pandemic was certainly a huge challenge. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we had a lot of transition in the association too with Charlie's retirement and Melinda coming in and other retirements in the executive office and other shifts. Um, and so, you know, who who is involved and who's there has also changed and that's to be expected, right, in, in any organization. But again, I think it just maybe felt a little bit compounded at the same time with all of the sort of instability of our world in general uh, at the time. But um, again, I think good things have come of it. And um, and that's the exciting part is we're continuing to learn the lessons um, from, from that time. Thank you, Cecilia. Um, now to shift gears a little bit, um, where do you both feel like what were your greatest strengths as Nakata presidents? Um, just because, you know, in hearing all of your experiences, you jump through the challenges, but like, I feel like successes are something you can really happily reflect on. Um, let's go with Cecilia first this time. Well, I think it's less about my successes because I feel like I had to throw out all expectations of what presidency was going to look like. Um, and it was really about how we came together um, as a board and, and with the council and other um, parts of the Nakata leadership to, to do things like develop a new mission, vision, and strategic goals um, to see the uh, development and implementation of a new diversity statement and land acknowledgement statements for the, for the association. And we made a lot of big decisions and, and that involved a lot of people and a lot of thought and a lot of conversation. And so it was really more about making sure we're all continuing to move forward together through these conversations. And interestingly enough, um, our, the board that um, I was involved in in 2020 to 21, we never met in person, which I think is also interesting. All of our work was done completely virtually, um, yet we were able to accomplish some very big changes uh, for the association. Again, really kind of resetting the foundation of Nakata uh, in terms of what what our common goals are, right? Our common mission, vision, and our strategic goals and all the things that will that will move forward from that. Um, and so I, I would say it was more so just making sure all the we're just continuing to move forward together it is really what it was um, and making sure those voices are are heard um, and you know the where we strayed in conversation that we just kept, you know, coming back and um, making sure that like I said everyone's voices were heard, but that we were still moving forward to be able to accomplish um, what we had set forth and to do it in, you know, about a year is, is a lot uh, when those conversations um, are maybe only once a month and a little bit more intense around mid-year and around the annual conference time. And so um, we, I feel like we did accomplish a lot given given the circumstances we were we were handed. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind was that was right about when we um, rolled out the research center at Nakata. So first of all, Wendy Troxel's a rock star. She helped us move that vision to reality, right? I think that really helped professionalize advising, um, adding to that scholarly, you know, how it contributes to student success was a big win. 
Um, we revisited the core values and core competencies, which is really at the heart of what we do. So that was um, a neat success that year. Revisited the bylaws, which those that were involved with me, like, like I said, I'm not a, you know, I don't sit and read through all the wording real perfectly. So surrounded myself with some really smart people that helped me through that. And we also started uh, really putting together some great partnerships through Nakata. And the first one, the inaugural one was with the John Gardner Institute. Um, started putting some partnerships together with Complete College America, quite a few other people. And I thought the exciting part about that is we are now taking a seat at that table. And so we are part of those important discussions to talk about student success and how advising plays an integral role in that. So I was happy to see us starting to take um, some ownership in that and be part of those partnerships. Um, it also helped us solidify that advising does not equal registration. Again, it keeps coming back to that. I think the other part about, the part about those partnerships was the fact that uh, we realized that advising is so important, um, especially that relationship building that we do with our students. I don't know if that was um, fully understood or recognized until we got into some of those conversations. And so it really helps us understand that the, the collective campus culture is all about helping students feel like they belong. I had a student one day say to me, um, Dana, this is the first time I felt like I belonged. And it just hit me, you know, it hit me because I thought that is exactly what we're trying to do. And that is the heart of these, these students succeeding. They're going to come to you and ask for help. They're going to be much more likely to feel comfortable, you, comfortable with you in all their conversations. And so making students feel like they matter is what we do best. And we, advisors literally save lives every day. Um, and I think people underestimate the impact that they have. This is actually one of the goals of this podcast, Talking Presidents, was to try to capture some of that history. So I appreciate everything you brought up because it's really interesting to hear just how much happened during your presidency. Like a lot of things that we just sort of, that are integral to the association now, like to, to know when they started is very valuable. Cecilia, you've hinted at this a little bit because you are a very recent president, but can you tell us where you see the future of Nakata? That is a great question. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think the changing landscape of what professional development looks like and how we engage um, in advisors and advising administrators is is going to change um, a little bit. And, um, but, and what that looks like in terms of how we engage our student populations, as Dana mentioned, too, is going to look different, right? Because um, we have to learn new ways of doing things and uh, the Zoom world also changes our our uh, reach to students and and um, and to each other, and so I think that that's going to have a major impact on what we do. But um, I did learn from Wendy Troxell that there's a new advising um, outcomes survey that's coming out um, for both students and um, faculty and staff. And so uh, I think that there are some things that we're doing as an association. And, and Dana hinted at this, too, in, in, when talking about excellence in, in academic advising and the John Gardner um, Institute and really like where Nakata is at, right, in higher education. And I think things like this advising outcomes survey, which has been a couple, several years in the making, um, is evidence-based uh, research um, that can be scaled, you know, that can be um, both implemented at institutions, but then it's also giving us even more data um, and how do we scale the best practices. 
that we're seeing. And so um, I'm really excited. I don't know a whole lot about it, but that is super exciting in terms of what our reach is as it as it relates to those types of large scale initiatives um, as an association. And, and it goes back to the work that the research center is doing, um, but it's attributed to a lot of the hard work that a lot of folks at Nakata have been putting in behind the scenes um, and helping us understand ourselves as professionals and the professionalization of our um, of our field. And where it's going is super exciting uh, for things like this, because um, this is you know, when we start pouring in more and more research and more and more evidence-based um, practices, we're going somewhere. And, and I think that's the exciting part of, of where we're at and where we're headed. That is really exciting. I can't wait to see the results of that. Uh, Dana, how about you? What do you see for the future of the association? Well, I think flexible work and learning is here to stay. <laughs> We've all had a taste of that. And so I think, um, as always, Nakata tends to pivot to the needs of the members. And so I think that might be a focus. We'll continue to look at um, how we um, serve students and even taking care of our staff. For example, uh, when we've changed some of the flexibility, when we went back on campus, we noticed that we've lost, we've you know lost a lot of advisors. And so looking at advisor retention and how we can support them. And that also includes um, the well-being of our staff and our students. So I think that whole mental health piece, um, we all know the anxiety that kind of rose to the top over the past years for advisors, administrators, and students. So I think probably taking a close look at at how we continue to support folks in that way. And we've also seen um, blended roles. I don't know about you all, but I've really been involved more in enrollment than ever. Uh, and that that pendulum tends to swing over the years, but I think we will talk about how we can support administrators and advisors as those roles become blended um, and still make sure that we're paying attention to retention and making an impact that way. Cecilia also alluded to this too, but continue that use of technology and innovative ideas to stay engaged with a very large association, um, whether it's e-tutorials, um, webinars, et cetera. And that also plays a role into the budgets as, as training development budgets are cut. How can we continue to reach members in creative ways? Thank you. I have learned a lot from <laughs> chatting with both of you. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your experiences. And now I'd like to turn it back over to Matt to wrap things up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karen and Gavin. Excellent job as always. And Dana, thank you for sharing your stories that in Nakata, you really do find out like your strengths and how supportive like the, the members are, the executive office small but mighty office that EO is, and they do a fantastic job. And the fact that we're all here for common goals and how really that relational aspect is always just so, so important. And Cecilia, you had to really do a complete 180 dealing with all the changes that the pandemic had on us, especially in the beginning of 2020 and navigating that transition and leading Nakata and, and its members. So Wonderful job there, too. And that does it for this episode of the Nakata Presents podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and also bookmark the podcast page on the Nakata website. We have more episodes in this presidential perspective series. So check back for more. Take care and keep advising.